Hey y'all, welcome back to Voices of the Body, the podcast. My name is Love Ashley Elaine, and I'm going to be your guide as we journey through our first book club. Yes, yes for books, yes for learning, yes for the dark night of the soul. This episode, we're going to tap into that next part of the book, right? Really allowing ourselves to surrender and really allow this experience to to transform us right uh we're gonna talk about surrendering we're gonna talk about saying yes to the journey all the things all the things so you know the vibes prepare your mind body and soul as we get into this episode and we are back so we're gonna do some uh short belly breathing right we're not gonna stay in the space long but find a comfortable seated position if you're driving you can come back to this or you can still engage in the breath work right it doesn't require you to uh well focus would be a thing yeah and if you are safe in your space and in your body you can gently bring your gaze down your nose or close your eyes completely and take a nice big inhale and exhale Two more rounds of cleansing breath before we get into our breath work. Nice big inhale. And exhale. Last one, nice big inhale. And exhale. 
And if it's available to you, bring one hand to your belly. And as you inhale, fill your belly or both hands to your belly. As you inhale, fill your belly, expand, right? Feel it expand like a balloon and gently bringing the breath all the way up to the heart space. And as you exhale, keep it nice and light, nice and gentle as you feel everything coming back to its normal state. One more nice big inhale, filling up the belly, taking in all the air that you can, right? Not struggling, but allowing the body to be filled, right? starting with the belly. And gently exhale, allowing the body to slowly come back to its center, right? Slowly come back to its normal state. Not rushing it, but allowing it to slowly come back, keeping it nice and gentle, keeping the nervous system gentle. Last one, nice big inhale, filling up the belly, taking in all the air that you can, slowly allowing the air to fill the chest, fill the heart space. Bringing it at the top of your breath. And gently exhaling, allowing the body to gently and smoothly and calmly release the breath. Bringing the body back into its natural space. And just allow yourself to be present in this moment. Maybe you need to do that as many times as the body calls for, as many times as it feels comfortable for you. Or maybe you just come into stillness, allowing your breath to move through its natural rhythm. And just notice what may have came up, what feels different from when you started, from before you started. And maybe you take a minute to just pause this recording and take some notes before we move on to what's next. So a couple more rounds of breath, nice big inhale and gentle exhale. One more nice big inhale. Gentle exhale. The last one, nice big inhale. And exhale. And we will be right back.
And we are back. So we left off um, last week. I left you guys with a question, right? What is your story? And does it feel like your true authentic soul story? Um, so we're now moving into um, where Arjana is now about to go on a yoga journey, right? And again, we'll, you'll hear me tap into a little bit deeper what yoga is because the misconception is that yoga is just what you see us do on our yoga mat. Uh -uh. It's so much deeper than that, right? And I've had to come to a discovery about that in the more in more depth um, through reading and learning and just keeping my mind open to growth, right? And really understanding journey, right? So Arjana is now about to go on a yoga journey um, by Krishna. Krishna, again, is representation of God of the universe who also represents um the soul the soul and spirit within us the only reason why krishna is able to now go on this journey with arjana or that arjana is ready to go on this journey is because he surrenders right and we talk about surrendering a lot but i think people like get it kind of misconstrued right because I know for myself like there's moments where I'm like no I have to keep trying to figure this out I have to keep trying to figure this out I have to keep going I have to keep going I have to keep doing I have to keep doing I have to keep fighting I have to keep fighting and it comes down to like that wire of me being like you know what I'm sick of it I surrender right when every day we should be surrendering every day we're dying to ourselves to become ourselves, the self that has been divinely orchestrated for us to be, right? So the only way that Krishna is able to guide Arjuna is because Arjuna is ready and does not want to stay in grief. He no longer wants to suffer. He no longer wants to be at this space of like confusion and darkness and you know where we left off arjana had fell to his knees in despair trying to figure out like why is this happening and then questioning life and questioning all these things that have been true for him for so long right remember he's he's an archer he's like this big tall handsome strong guy and now all of a sudden like everything is going into question he's questioning everything so surrendering right is the only reason the only way that he's able to now learn deeper about himself and learn deeper about his grief learn deeper about um him right the true the true him the real him so if we go to page 79 um i'm gonna read the top of it it says as we drive our chariots onto the field of now which the chariot is our body um with an army that is numerically superior what weapons will we choose the most powerful weapon we can have are the ones krishna gives arjana the yoga teachings for crossing the dark night of the soul so in my mind when i think about weapons right y'all know i'm i'm got i'm in a i have a christian background grew up reading the bible still read it to this day probably not as much as i should guilty 
But the scripture that came to mind automatically, right, when it says what weapons will we choose is Ephesians 6, um, 10 through 18, where it says put on the full armor of God and then the sword, the sword of spirit, right? Because when I think about weapons, I think about um, our spiritual weapons, right? I, I think about the belt of truth, the, the, um, the shoot, like all of those things, right? I actually, I need to post this somewhere, but I actually was able to link the seven chakras to, um, Ephesians, um, and really, really drill down into like each chakra and its power in correlation to, the sword of spirit, the belt of truth, the armor, like when it says put on the full armor of God. Right. Um, then, so now we're looking at the four main teachings that Arjana is now ready to learn. Right. So if we go further, right, it says further ahead on page 80, further ahead is another temple. And within that, at a point of complete equilibrium and harmony is the sacred inner sanctum known as the womb chamber, the womb. We all have one. It's our creative space. Um, so be it. The temple complex is a temple within a temple within a temple, right? So it's literally the cave of the heart leading to this confidential cave-like heart. The inner sanctum um, is considered a sacred bridge between the earthly and the divine. So our heart, when they say uh, keeping a pure heart, right? Let the king, like that one worship song, let the king of my heart be the uh, be the mountain where I hide, right? The, our heart is that bridge to our divine, right? Our crown chakra is like the crown of our head is that connection, but the bridge to that is our heart, the cave of your heart. So I'm always saying, right, when we're going through this journey, when we're going through um, that acknowledgement of grief and the dark night of our soul is there's treasure in there, right? There's there's treasure in there, but you have to be willing to go in it, right? And we're going to talk about that today too, where it talks about it's an honor to be in the dark night of your soul, of your soul, right? Excuse me. Some people don't know that they're in one, so they're not going to see it as an honor. They're not even going to see it as anything that they're dealing with or going through because it's just been, it just is, right? So those faint, those four main teachings that Krishna, um, is now able to take Arjana on is one, set out the journey of the soul. Two, let every step be its own reward. Three, let discernment be the, the warrior's sword. And I wrote sword of the spirit on the side. Um, and four, let sacred love be your only goal, right? So when we think about setting out on the journey of the soul, we think about the journey of consciousness, right? It's all about how am I able to learn how to stay present and aware and conscious of my decisions, what I say, what I do, how I move, right? It makes you move a little different. It makes you think before you speak. I was never like I've I've had times where I like never stopped to think before I spoke or did anything. 
I would just do it. And I'm starting to learn that about myself and my business too, that I would really like the minute something comes to it's like, ah, let's do that. And now I'm just posting it. Now I'm just putting it out there. And it's just like, well, girl, why don't you sit with that for a minute? Right. Why don't you really just sit with it for a minute? Because then you start to build upon it a little bit different. So um, setting out on the soul of the journey is the journey to consciousness, right? Um, so then we're moving to let every step be its own reward, right? So if we think about have like karma yoga right here right because we want actions that don't bind us right we want to be able to engage in things that don't bind us we want to really take that time to be like when you're when you when you're in a space of consciousness now you're allowing yourself to okay i'm looking at every step i'm grateful for this step right we're going to get in our heads. We're going to come to a place where it's like, mm, I'm ready for what's next. But it's like, what can I do to be in this space? Gratitude, right? Really allow myself to not rebuild this story about myself. There's um, on page 82, it talks about like what you believe about yourself is how you will behave. So when we identify intensely with our story and believe unquestioningly that we are the main character in that story, we are forced into action. Our story compels us to act in a particular way. Discernment or the ability to see things as they truly are summons a phenomenal freedom and spaciousness into everyday life. It allows us to transcend the small narrative we create in our mind which we may otherwise spend an entire lifetime defending and sustaining, right? So this had me thinking about like when we go through something, certain things, like I, like I remember a friend of mine, um, she was working on her business and I don't want to divulge the name of it, but it had the word Victor in it. And she's telling me the story as to why she put uh, Victor, because you're only a victim as as long as you keep saying that you're a victim, right? So you can be a victim of sexual abuse. You could be a, a victim of child abuse. You could be a victim of sexual abuse. You could be a victim of um, physical abuse, domestic violence, all these different things, right? At some point, the more you keep saying that you're a victim of, the more you're going to start playing into that role, the more you start planting those seeds into your brain, into your mindset, into your being, and then living that, right? So now everything is flowing from this victim space, this victim persona that you've adopted, right? So when she was telling me that it was like, it, it, it's, she chose the word victor, I was like, man, that's powerful, right? Like that's that's a transformational space to be in because you acknowledge that once upon a time you were a victim of something, yet you didn't allow yourself to stay there. You transcended, right? You transcended from victim to victor. So when you move from victim to victor, you're saying I have victory over what tried to, to break me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You have victory over what tried 
to break you. You had victory over what tried to minimize you. You had victory over what tried to steal from you, right? Kill you. A scripture that comes to mind is John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I may have, but I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly, right? You'll miss that you have access to abundant life if you choose to stay in the space of, oh, I'm constantly being robbed. Oh, the devil is constantly trying to steal from me. Oh, I could have died. Oh, these, like you, like you miss the, the, the transcendence into abundant life if you choose to stay in a victim role. Wow. I don't know what's happening here. Right. So food for thought and a question that you can journal. What small narratives are you defending that you created, right? And some of these narratives we may not have created for ourselves. They could have been seeds that were planted, right? Both and I shared a post today where I said my power was stolen from me when I was a child. Didn't even know that it happened, right? So there's a narrative that I've been living and carrying and didn't even know that it was it was true, or that it was real or that it was apparent or that I've, that it had become my reality. But once I kept like, just like something kept shifting and the veil kept lifting, right? Something just didn't feel right anymore. And it was just like, there's more, there's more than, than this. There's more than what I'm currently living. There's more than what is showing me face right now. Right. So let's tuck that in the back of our head, right? What small narrative are you defending that you created and and or that was given to you, right? Are you even aware that there's a narrative that you're living that is probably not gonna serve you in the future that you want for yourself, right? And this comes with, this is where the dropping of the, like really allowing surrenderance to come in, right? It's like surrendering to what I don't know so that I can let go of what I do. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. Yet there has to be something that you know is bigger and better than where you are so that you can manifest that and be able to move forward. I'm feeling all of this right now. This is a little crazy. So yeah. Um, and the, da, 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 da. so the second one is let discernment be the warrior's sword, right? So when we think about, um, discernment, hold up, let me get to my notes. Cause I want to stay, I want to stay with y'all on this. Um, <laughs> so we think about this, well, that's, that's the third one, right? I think really my focus was agreement one, setting out on the journey of the soul, right? And then really allowing um, that to expand, like expounding on that. And then four was let sacred love be your only guide, right? So on page 83, um, well, let me go back to let discernment be the warrior's sword. Discernment is a spirit right discernment is that inner spirit that spirit that is within you that is guiding you and and giving you the grace and the space to maneuver from that place right really listening to that place so there was i think an episode i did last season where 
we talked about um, really coming to a place of stillness to be able to learn how to listen to spirit, how to be present. Ooh, excuse me. I just had lunch. So I'm a little burpy. Um, well, breakfast. And so, okay. So on page 83, it says, um, with the sword of knowledge belonging to the self, rise in yoga. This is the third and third of four principle yoga teachings on the soul's journey through the dark night. Let's let discernment be the warrior sword. Krishna wants to advance Arjuna further into the magnificent temple of yoga. So in the Bhagavad Gita, he shares many complementary yoga paths, which each with each is suitable for a different kind of practitioner and the goal and the goals that that person has. Some yoga paths require the intellect, others use the body, and still others focus on the discipline of the mind. But of all the yoga paths, Krishna explains that the ultimate and most potent is bhakti yoga, which is the loving service, right? When we move through the spirit, we allow everything to come from that, right? It, we allow everything to come from spirit to go back to spirit, right? So it's, it's never attached to us. It's never attached to our identity. It's never attached to who we are. It doesn't define us, right? So it's even that space where right? there's those internal guides that say, hey, do this, right? and send that message give that message give this right you do it without looking for anything on the back end right so when you move in the spirit when you let discernment be your guide and be your sword nothing can really fight you on that right but then there's the question what spirit are you so there's there's another question there but we're going to keep it we're going to keep it in a space of believing that it's the spirit that God has um, transcended, like given to us, right? Um, and then the fourth one is let sacred love be your only goal. So much of our personal story has been inherited and hasn't been authored with awareness or conscious intent. The, disin the disintegration of that story in times of crisis and despair creates an opportunity to rewrite our story with love and affection at its foundations. It's an opportunity to make sacred love the guiding principle of our life. As I believe I'm coming to like a, a, a tail end of my dark night journey. Um, cause I feel, I can feel more clarity. I can feel more weight being lifted. I feel, um, more in tuneness, if that's even a word. Um, but when, but something about that space, right. Makes you want to move in love and not in ego, Right doing things that are more authentic, doing things that are more genuine, doing things that really come from your heart space and your spirit, right? Even even the space of how do I how do I move in love in my relationship with the divine? Right? What does that look like? How do I reconnect and deeply connect? Right? And sometimes it's those dark spaces where we reconnect or find that deeper connection with our with with God or the divine whoever you subscribe to, right? 
um, and really allow that to be what fills us, what heals us, all of those things, right? Um, then it goes to say, this is the inner sanctum, the confidential heart of the temple of yoga. Krishna explains to Arjuna that sacred love is the most secret teaching of all, as well as the most easily performed. When our purpose is an expression of sacred love, there is nothing more nourishing or fulfilling in all the world. This is because sacred love is the nature of the soul, right? So my focus is going to be um, really going through honoring like the first agreement, which is setting out on the soul of the journey, right? The setting out on the journey of the soul. So the first part of that is, so when you look at page 95, it talks more deeply about like the dark night of the soul experience and how you can't avoid it. You have to go into the heart of difficulty because that's where we're transformed. That's where we start to learn deeper about ourselves. That's where we're able to, to really find those treasures, right? Um, it says yoga teaches us how to tolerate the discomfort without acting or reacting from our small human stories, right? Because if we're constantly going from our human stories, right, remember the victim to victor, then we're missing what magic, what, what healing can come, right? So again, it also says that Arjuna surrenders the shattered identity he's been holding on to. What the dark night does, it shatters everything that you thought you knew about yourself. It shatters everything that you thought you knew about the world, the people around you, relationships, love, all the things, right? It shatters everything. The first agreement is about saying yes to the spiritual journey as it unfolds, but this is not a one-time agreement. It needs to be renewed continuously. At every step, we can choose to abandon the field. Arjuna shows us that the first agreement includes three things, right? So the first thing is honoring the dark night as a rite of passage. Two is trust your inner guide. And three is surrender the need to control. Uh, we can't set out on the journey of the soul unless we believe the journey is worth taking, right? So you really want to, you really want to ask yourself, am I happy with where I am and the things that I keep enduring or do I want to make a change? Because at some point we can't keep saying it's everybody else, right? I had to learn that I kept attracting and being attracted to a certain type of person, certain type of male. Now, I feel like I could pinpoint it in everybody, which is probably like the hyper side of the healing space that I'm in. Like when it comes to like loving relationships, romantic relationships, I'm still learning this healing journey does not end. I also have committed to myself that I want to fall so deep in love with myself and who I am that whoever it is that wants to seek me has to seek God first to get to me. And I've been so like, so, so stickler for that, right? Not allowing anything shiny to come in the way of that because 
my journey includes me learning how to appreciate myself and love myself for who I am, right? And not trying to change so that I can be loved. That doesn't, that, that that's not going to solve anything. That's not going to do anything. So there's times where I'm like, this healing stuff sucks. Being in this dark night sucks. Dealing with grief sucks. And then there's other moments where I'm like, you know what? I'm so grateful, right? And you you can only get to a place of honoring the dark night of your soul, like being being on that journey as a rite of passage. You can only honor that when you when you allow yourself to experience gratitude, right? One of the ways you do that is well, I I do praise and worship a lot. I love praise and worship with and without music. I'm constantly sitting and talking to God. I'm constantly sitting and talking to myself and I always come to a place where sometimes I just need to journal out what I'm grateful for, what I'm thankful for, even the pain, right? I'm thankful for those experiences because they led me back to myself. They led me back to loving myself and healing myself so that if and when the right person comes along, I know how to set boundaries. I know how to ask for what I want. I'm no longer going to look at that red flag and say, oh, it's pink with sparkles. No, girl, it's red, like Bloody Mary red, right? Um. This begins with, so I'm going to read that again. We cannot set out on the journey of the soul unless we believe the journey is worth taking. This begins with an understanding that the dark night of the soul is not a dangerous experience, but a natural, if not necessary process. It's a rite of passage, a spiritual initiation. So all the things, right? Going to therapy, being consistent with that, doing the journaling, doing the gratitude work, allowing yourself to feel those emotions, right? And giving yourself time in isolation to allow yourself to really understand you and see things, right? Love on you. I take myself out on dates. I haven't done it in a while because things have been a little shaky, but taking myself out on dates, buying the things that I want for myself, celebrating myself, right? Because for also for so long, I've been waiting for other people to celebrate me. And it's like, why am I still waiting? Why am I waiting? Why am I putting my celebration in the hands of somebody else who probably doesn't even care, right? I know that's childhood work that I had to work on. Doing the shadow, right? doing the shadow work because that's also important, right? Yes, we can sit here and give ourselves praise for all the good things that we know about ourselves. We also need to talk about that shadow that follows us, right? How I handle certain things, right? I'm learning how to do better with money, right? I'm learning that I can't change people, right? I never saw it as a form of control. I never saw it as control, right? It's like, okay, well, I'm going to make you love me the way that I want to be loved. And you can't do that, right? You can't do that. So y'all, this is like, listen, the last two years, 
therapy every week. At one point I was going three times a week. Like, listen, I like the work is real. The work is real, but you have to, you have to weigh the option of do I do. First of all, you want, you need to look at how has life been for you, right? Are you noticing the constant pattern, right? Because also I've noticed like people say it, but you don't see it until you see it, right? And you have to be able to reflect and assess, right? I can look at a lot of my relational patterns be like, mm, y'all Negroes was all the same, just a different face and a different name. Half of y'all kind of look alike, right? Like, let's be honest. Let's be honest about what it is. Like, you have to also honor your shadow because really that shadow is what's part of that dark night that you're going to be shifting and changing, right? Coming to the reality of those things, right? So when you when you look at the weighing the pros and cons of okay is this even a journey that i i want to set out on it's really do i want to keep living the way that i've been living or do i want to set myself free right again i'm gonna say it again i'm gonna say it often is it the trauma you or the divine you is it the true you right? Which version of you is showing up in this present moment, right? And in this present moment, can you look backwards and say, oh, I don't really, okay, how do I change this? Because I'm tired of being heartbroken, right? I had to break my own heart to heal. I had to break my own heart to heal. God had to put me in a situation to break my own heart to heal, right? My Achilles is love. My altar is love. And it's like, well, I've been putting like love on a pedestal and missing who is actually loving me and moving through that, healing through that. I had to break my own heart to, to love myself, right? That's crazy when I think about it all the time, all the time. And I remember, I remember having a conversation with somebody and she said that to me, she was like, God, is, God, is, God might have to break your heart for you to heal. And the minute she said it, I felt it. I felt it. Boo hoo cried. I felt it because it was true. Because it was true. Because it was true. I tried to ignore what I saw and 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 think that oh well no like i'm a good person like this person will change for me girl no no and even then i don't want somebody to change just for me i want to change because they want to change and then we come together and be the force the force that is to be reckoned with right like nothing can break us so um, our focus is going to be, uh, I keep saying what our focus is going to be, but just letting you know, setting out on the journey of the soul. Um, so the first one, honoring that dark night of the soul is a rite of passage, right? When we look at um, top of, oh, wait, I wanted to read page 100 at the bottom, right? 
So now we're at the point of the book where um, the author is talking about this lady Meredith, like giving an example of how she got released from her job. And like, for some reason, it hit her really hard. Now she's going through her own dark night of the soul she's on med she's like going through all kinds of stuff she's retreated she's depressed like all the things right so at the bottom of page 100 in our culture crisis is treated much like excrement right excrement what is a natural process to all living things is for us hidden behind closed doors if exposed the release of waste matter be it physical waste or the emotional waste that surfaces in a crisis is met with shame and even the slightest sense, the slightest scent can be deemed offensive. And yet just as beautiful, fragrant, fragrant flowers grow out of dug or fertilizer. Some of our greatest gifts may emerge from our darkest and most difficult periods. Oh, I'm gonna read that one more time. And yet, just as beautiful, fragrant, fragrant, I can't say that word, flowers grow out of dug or fertilizer, some of our greatest gifts may emerge from our darkest and most difficult periods. Mm. In ancient India, this is represented by the lotus flower, which grows out of the muck. No muck, no lotus. Everybody wants something beautiful, but doesn't want to endure the pain, right? Pregnancy, we have a baby at the end of it. Beautiful little humans that we want to give all our money to and then want to not give none of our money to, right? But there's a, there's a, there's a darkness in it because we don't know, like we don't know what's happening internally when we're carrying that baby, right? No muck, no lotus. In our society, there's no understanding of and no space for the dark night of the soul. We disguise our sorrow. No one wants to go back to work looking quote unquote mental. My God, I had this moment. I had, I, I had that. No one wants to be labeled with a nervous breakdown. I swear to you, my first mental health leave, I now can name it. I was having a nervous breakdown. Like I retreated so much. Me and my homegirl was talking about this. Me and my best friend were talking about this where like since I've been out here in Cambodia, there's just like some deeper levels of healing that I've been doing. I'm just like, dude, this is not what I came out here for, right? Yet God is strategic in all the things that he does, like complete isolation, complete seclusion, right? Yes, there's people here. There's constant guests coming in and out and then the people that work here at the retreat space. But I like I I don't leave the retreat space. I can't say, you know what, I need to go to a coffee shop and like be by myself. Like there's none of that complete isolation and seclusion is beautiful. But there's so much intensity on the inside that is like, I have to deal with it. I Like, I have to deal with it because I have to learn to be with me. I have to learn all of that. I'm talking about I'm just a month in and I've, I've already can feel the shift and the change within me. Right. And my homegirl was just like, bro, like you actually said yes and yes to like the deep truth 
of the healing work. She was like, you can't do that here in the, in the United States. Like we can't do that here. And I was like, no, you can't. She was like, your job will be like, all right, we're going to give you three months to heal. Maybe two, we'll give you two weeks to heal, maybe a little bit longer. And then let us know how you feel so you can come back to work and do what we need you to do. Like, like, does that sound realistic? Right. So even like I've had conversations with people like um, when we talk about women who have had miscarriage, well, families who have had miscarriages and baby loss. Right. It's like, is there time given for that? Right. And just even saying this out loud now, I'm coming back to myself. And being able to like reflect, right? Like literally in this moment, I'm like looking back and it's just like, man, like I advocated for myself, right? Those mental health leaves. I know I keep repeating some of these things and I'm doing it on purpose because I want people to know that they can do the same thing. Like your mental health is way more important than these jobs, right your healing and your your sense of self is so much more important than these jobs right so man that was powerful like no one wants to go back to work looking quote unquote mental what does that even mean what does that even mean i had a family member say to me i had a family member say to me well, that's why something like you're the crazy one. That's why you're in therapy. Yeah. And I said to them, I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. So I'm going to keep going to therapy. I'm going to keep taking my depression meds. This is before I ended up like taking myself off of them. But like I had a fan like. Why is it so taboo for us to go through, right? I said this on the last, ep like the last episode on whatever we were talking about in regards to the book, like it's so taboo for us to, to go through it. Nobody wants to endure the pain, but why do we want just the pleasure? That's not how life is set up, right? The yin and the yang, the light and the dark. It's not daylight all day long. It's not nighttime all the time, right? You get a good solid 12 hours of daytime and a good solid 12 hours of nighttime, right? There's balance, right? It has to be balanced. So, and even just how he says, like, no muck, no lotus. Our greatest gifts may emerge from our darkest and most difficult periods. I am a witness, my greatest gifts. And I haven't even tapped into, I haven't even like scratched the surface of them. I've, I've just found them. I say it all the time. Like when I went into the cave, I came, I, like I found the treasure chest full of jewels, the emerald, the diamond, even a pearl, even though they're made from oysters in the sea, right? Like I found all of those jewels. I found like I'm I'm not even and I'm not flexing, I promise. But this is also me like coming into realization of my full potential, right? My full potential. And I'm going to be honest, it's uncomfortable for me to even say this out loud. I haven't even scratched the surface of what I'm capable of doing. Right now, I'm just building consistency. 
Right now, I'm just building awareness in my capabilities. Right now, I'm building clarity and gaining clarity in what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, let alone of what I want to do or or can do, right? All because I said yes to healing. I, I said yes to going through that dark night right? It's a gift and a curse because it was very painful and all that I had to endure, like that last tail end of it, all that I had to endure to really see the beauty within me. Like that's wild to me. I have to go through to grow through, but I'm here. I'm here. I made it. I'm alive and well, able to flourish and prosper taking in all the abundance that is meant for me, right? And again, I'm just scratching the surface. So we go to page 102, right? Now we're, now we want to really allow ourselves to honor the discomfort and the emotions, right? The first step of the yoga of despair is understanding and acceptance rather than avoidance, denial, or escapism. These dark episodes need to be honored, right? You can't escape. I, like, I mean, it's all going to get like your shadow follows you, right? Everything follows you. I'd rather have a clear conscience and a, a clear and open, empty heart than constantly like running and hiding from myself, right? And now I'm projecting that onto everybody else. Um, when we suppress uncomfortable emotions, something tragic happens. All other emotions go into hiding. We shut down the entire faculty of emotion and begin to feel lifeless. We tend to think of our life as a continuous line from birth to death, although this line we sometimes flourish while at other times we fall into stagnicity, which is normal, right? And I had to cope with that within myself recently, right? It's like, I don't have to be doing all the time, right? But those moments when I'm not, it's giving me time to be clear on what it is that I I I want to do, should do, right? Making sure those two things align because I no longer want to just do things just because I should be doing something. Everything in its time, everything in its season, right? Everything with intention. When life is viewed as a series of transformations or traditional rites of passage, as it was in ancient India, our emergence from each of these crises birthed new capacities and talents. So believe that, right? Like we have to be able to ebb and flow, right? And understand that something good always comes from something not so good, right? Some There's always pleasure that comes after pain and with pain, pain, right? It's all supposed to be together. It's all intertwined with one another, right? So we want to honor what that discomfort is, right? And be honest with it. If it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable. Say it out loud, right? Everything's not meant to be comfortable, right? There's things that we engage in that are pleasurable, that are uncomfortable, yet we get something beautiful at the end of it, right? So I was also looking at like this state of um, transformation, 
right? Um, when we talk about transformation, I like just Googled it, of course. Transformation is the extreme radical change, right? So I had a moment while I was out here where I like didn't really look in mirrors for a few weeks. Um, access was a little weird to that. And now I'm looking in the mirror and I'm just like, girl, I don't know who you are. Like, you don't look the same. You don't look the same at all. Like, I know you, but I don't know you, right? Um, but you have to be able to surrender to the transformation, right? You have to be able to allow yourself to go through the changes, um, so going to page 106, I'm going to read from the middle. It says, we too are artists, artists of our own life. We create our own life story. The dark night of the soul can help us create a life story that has immense depth and that shines with a rich radiance from within. Dark nights are difficult periods. I don't wish to romanticize them or to deny their hardship. Not at all. They're hard. They are hard. They are hard. I don't know if I've been able to translate that enough, right? But the people close to me, like, whew, they know. They see they see it, all of it. They've seen all of it. Um, but if they arrive, they are gifts that many come with too. They reveal to us the full depths of the soul. I have learned so much more about these depths from periods of pain and despair than I have from times of comfort and false security. I'm going to read that again. I have learned, and this is, this is the author saying it, but I also agree with this, right? I have learned so much more about those depths from periods of pain and despair than I have from times of comfort and false security. False security, right? The purpose of a dark night is not to try, uh, is not to try artificially to impose meaning on crisis or difficulty, but we, rec but we may recognize in retrospect that our impasse was our metamorphosis, a necessary catalyst to spiritual growth. We don't choose a dark night for ourselves. It is given to us. The dark night of the soul is something that happens to us. Nonetheless, the experience prompts us to begin a journey of consciousness, understanding that this spiritual process can be profoundly good, can be a profoundly good thing, is, uh, is the first step in setting off on the journey of the soul, right? So I also just recently learned like what, a butterfly goes through, right? It's really going through when, when a caterpillar is ready to become a butterfly, like it goes into its cocoon, it, it gets all like mushy and dies in there, but there's parts of it that stay so that it can turn into the butterfly, right? That is the transformation, right? That is what helps us transform into who we need to be, right? Um, so when we come back to yoga, right? We tend to view yoga at the bottom of page 107. Um, it says we tend to view yoga as being 
principally about peace and well-being. Yoga can certainly lead to those things, but it's also about facing difficulty and coming to term with darkness and despair. The idea that yoga is about feeling good is very much a modern Western thing and one based largely on a culture of avoidance. Lord Jesus, be a fence. There's so much avoidance of pain that tries to happen on a political level, on a communist level, on a generational level, like all over the place, right? Like there's, it's always, yoga doesn't assume that we won't have to face astounding ordeals at some point in our life. Rather, yoga anticipates that we will. Fear, sadness, fatigue, despair, those are friends on the path of yoga. They teach us what isn't working in our life. There's nothing like darkness to bring yoga practice to life. Some people think we need to discard or bypass these natural emotions to be to be able to begin yoga. No, in yoga, everything becomes a tool for our enlightenment. Despair is one of life's greatest change agents. Without it, we're likely to shelter Uh, in easy spirituality or comfortable yoga routines our entire life, right? So you end up just like doing, right? There's no real intention. There's no real connection. You're just doing now, right? Um, I read a post that said, um, if you, can you even really call yourself a yoga practitioner if you like haven't touched your mat for a while? Like, and there's days where I'm just like, I'm avoiding you. I'm, I'm avoiding me. I'm avoiding it. I'm not doing none of the things. I just want to watch TV. I love watching TV. That is my shadow. I also enjoyed watching TV as a kid. Not making no correlation there. It is what it is. I'm not getting rid of it, right? So now we're going to move into number two, trusting your inner guide, right? All wisdom is situated in our hearts. So page 115, at the top of 115, it says all wisdom is situated in our heart. We have a golden thread to this wisdom, a natural connection to the universal teacher within us, right? So now Krishna shows Arjuna his form as an entire, an an entity of existence across all space and time, right? He's God, right? Our, our Krishna is now exposing himself as God to Arjuna. Um, we are, and then like says to him, kind of reminds him in this space that we are not alone on this journey, right? That, 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 that God is also around us and within us, right? Um, At the bottom of 115, it says, our inner guide is the light that illuminates the path on this journey through the dark. So in this example, right, it's the author is telling a story about how something had happened at the airport that he was like leaving and he just, he could just feel that something was off, right? That the the cab driver was trying to plot and plan against him to set him up, get him killed, rob him, whatever, whatever. And he felt, he felt like his intuition, right? His inner guide guided him into that. And 
told him, you know, get out of this. And even at one point, I think the cab driver was trying to switch him into another car. And the author was just like, nah, bro, like, I'm not doing that. And ended up, like, leaving and was getting yelled at, almost got chased down by these people. So what had happened was correct. Then later read a story that a woman had died in this same instance, right? So he's, like, he's now just talking about how he has an inner guide and to trust it, right? That it's never going to steer him the wrong way. So now we move to page 116, where we talk about how wisdom shows up, right? Um, so he says at the, pay, at the top of 116, um, professor, a professor from Harvard says it beautifully, we're drowning in information while starving for wisdom, right? We're, all, we're constantly like, oh, I just want to, I just want to read all these things. I just want to read all these things where we gain wisdom by what we go through in life, which you gain wisdom by going through that dark night of the soul, right? So then in the middle, it says wisdom is yogic perception. Wisdom is the deeper perception uh, we possess as we progress on our journey of yoga. Um, then he quotes uh, Mr. Marcel and says, we do not receive wisdom. We must discover it for ourselves after a journey through the wilderness, which no one else can make for us, which no one can spare us for our wisdom is the point of view from which we come at last to regard the world, right? Y'all seen it. The wisest person in the room, ask them what have they been through right ask them their story there is a story there right you don't just gain wisdom from reading books right most most like it's not just that right a lot of what i've gone through i've i've found the books to complement it and help me understand it right give me language to it but you never just read a book and say oh i now have wisdom no you have intellect there's a difference there's a difference right then he goes on to talk about like those light bulb moments, really understanding um, your discernment and that voice, right? I did an episode season one, two on that still small voice, right? Hearing the voice of God, right? What does it sound like? It has to be, you have to recognize it so that it's louder than all these other voices, right? Louder than the voice of defeat and despair and all of those, because th that also helps you get through your dark night of the soul, right? He also talks about um, mentors, right? Mentors that care. I struggle to find a mentor that's not trying to like have some ill will stuff towards me, right? And I found one right? Now I'm in a mentorship program online, right? Mentorship is how do I get to where I'm trying to go a little bit quicker? So now as a mentor, my goal, my, my job is to pour that wisdom, the things that I've learned into other people, right? So that they can get to where they're going a little bit faster so that they can investigate a little bit deeper, right? And then environment, right? The people that you allow yourself to hang around and be around, right? What does that look like? Iron sharpens iron, 
right? So how sharp is the other piece of irons that you're around and vice versa, right? Um, so I'll read at the bottom of 122, the third manifestation of the, of God, right? It says universal teacher as God, um, is the environment which is overflowing with the wisdom. Water, for example, teaches us fluidity and adaptability. The past teaches us humility. Stillness and silence teach us clarity. Young, young children teach us authenticity and playfulness. Our teachers are everywhere. They speak to us through all things. We hear their wisdom in our heart. Suffering is an important teacher too. Many of us spend our whole life running away from it, but suffering deepens us, teaches us compassion, empathy, and non-attachment, right? So environment, the people that you are around, but also environment in like your surroundings, right? So how can you shift your perspective in the spaces that you are in every day? right? How do you now look at learning from where you are instead of complaining where you are, right? Working in early childhood, I absolutely loved. It kept me playful. I love little people. I love to play. So now when I teach, I like to add in some stuff to help adults stay playful, right? My mind is even now saying, how do I use what I learned working with children and families, working in early childhood, and bring that into healing spaces for adults and their inner child, right? Because children teach you to be just free. They teach you that there is no such thing as a mistake, right? There is no such thing as perfection. There is no such thing as, as, you know, anything outside of authenticity, right? Children just are who they are until their seeds start getting planted, right? And then the last one is surrender, the need to control. So if we move to page 130, it's talking about that butterfly again, right? So I'm just going to read it just so you guys have reference. Um, it says, to become a butterfly, a caterpillar undergoes a wondrous transformation, casting off its old self inside a cocoon. The creature digests itself, causing its body to die. During this partial death, some of the caterpillar's old tissues are salvaged, and these remnant cells are used to fashion a new form. The caterpillar's nibbling jaw becomes a long tube, and 12 beady eyes melt to become two. Now there are antenna and wings. The exquisite colors of the butterfly begin to manifest. Its final metamorphosis accomplished, the butterfly emerges from the translucent case. The brown-haired caterpillar has transformed into a new being, one of nature's most stunning paintings. Rather than spending its life crawling, I'm a, let me, let's pause, Rather than spending its life crawling on the ground, this creature can now rise into the sky and even cross continents. Rather than feed on poisonous milkweed, it will spend the rest of its days drinking nectar. Page 131, in our metamorphosis, all that is false dies away. Only the permanent can remain true. 
the whole purpose of being able to go through your dark night journey is to allow yourself to come back home to yourself. Who are you divinely created to be, right? In this space, you start to learn, like, you know you're funny, but then you're like, oh, I actually have some good character. And then there's other things where it's like, oh, I don't really like that about myself. Do I change it or do I just sit with it? Like, what do I do with it, right? Like you start to really learn who you are and understand that that person is what gets you in certain rooms, right? It's not about your gifts and your talents because we all have those, right? It's, it's more so the person that is stewarding those because your character is going to put you in rooms and put you in connection with people that are going to blow your mind, blow your mind and i'm 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 oh i'm manifesting this for not just myself but for all of you right that saying yes to this healing journey saying yes to awareness saying yes to going through that dark night of the soul going into the cave to really clean and empty your heart your soul your mind all of those things yes it's painful but it's worth it it's so worth it right there's self-organizing and self-correcting, right? God honors both, right? So it's like, if we only see God as the person that gives to us, we're going to miss the correction that we actually need, the realignment that we actually need, right? Then everything, everything is the devil. Everything is the devil. Everything is the devil, Everything can't be the devil. I'm sorry to bust some of y'all's bubble. We come to the bottom of 131. The caterpillar has no way of knowing what it will become. The butterfly's magnificent colors, its ability to visit new continents, its ability to taste nectar. These are all beyond the imagination of the ungainly caterpillar. Yet during its transition, the caterpillar allows the transformation to take place. It's scary to say yes to something you don't even know. It is very scary. It's very scary. Very scary. Yet you look at the heartache consistently, right? The things that aren't improving and getting better and this rat race and this wheel that you keep staying on it's like I don't want that anymore either right that in between is really tough really tough yet I trust I'm in a season of trust and it's hard it's really hard because I don't want to go back to what my life was before but I don't know what's to come, right? I don't know what else I'm being asked to let go of. Like, I'm like, I'm like God, I, I surrender. I don't, I don't know, right? And in, in, on page 31, it says, in the dark night of the soul, we're the world, right? Letting all these things pass so that I can be fully who I was created to be right? 
allowing for myself to let go of like the seeds that were planted and transform my mind, right? In the Bible, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because once you renew your mindset, everything changes. Perspective changes. How you communicate changes. What you allow to piss you off changes, right? Who you talk to changes because your mind is already like, nope, nope, nope. Remember that seed we just dug up? Uh-uh. We're not going back to that. That's where the seed came from, right? The bottom, and then we're going to wrap up. The ability to say yes to the dark night of the soul, the ability to allow the transformation to take place requires a level of trust or faith that God will ultimately support us. Again, I'm in a season of trust. <laughs> it ain't easy. It's not easy. But I believe that who I've been is preparing me for who I'm who I'm coming home to right I don't feel the same I don't feel the same and I love who I'm manifesting I love who I'm becoming I love so so much who she is right I love all of it all of it all of it yeah. Um then final page 138 at the top where we're talking about surrender to trust and faith. Surrender is about relinqu relinquishing the need to control, knowing we'll be guided and protected. Ooh, yeah, we may be pushed down. We may be cast into darkness, unable to see any path ahead, but nothing can keep us from taking shelter of God. Who is the creator of the universe, the soul of my soul, right? Seated in my heart, in your heart, in all of our hearts. This connection with a power greater than ourselves is called yoga. So what you see on the mat is the asana practice, connection of self. When you can connect with yourself, you then can allow yourself to connect with your higher power. Man, 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 man. That was good. I'm preaching to myself too. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Cause as glorious as it looks for me to be out in Cambodia, it's been, it's been a little tight. It's been a little tight and I'm getting over having to like hide those spaces. Right. Because just because I prayed for this doesn't mean that it's, it's hard. Right. Just because I love the space that I'm in doesn't mean that it's, not hard, right? Um, so I'm grateful again for my tribe that has been with me every single day to FaceTime. Like part of my daily daily regimen is texting them, calling them, FaceTiming my son, all of that, because this transformation is hard. This has been hard, right? And I do this thing where I'm like, okay, well, I need to make a plan. 
I need to I need to make a plan so God knows I'm serious and God's sitting there looking at me like girl if you don't sit down somewhere because I know the plans I have for you mm. 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 thus said the Lord I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you not harm you so I walked into this experience knowing that I'm protected, that I'm loved, that nothing is going to harm me, right? But also didn't realize that I was going to be doing more healing work quickly, quickly, right? And it's like, okay, we need to, we need to touch this again, but quickly, we need to touch that again, but quickly, we need to talk about this again, but quickly, we need to look at this again, but quickly, right? Two years of therapy, on and off for five. God's like, okay, what is next for you? I need you to touch these very quickly. I need you to let these go, right? You're doing it, you're letting it go, but there's some residue, quickly. Yeah, 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 see, this is for somebody, I don't know who. I don't know who. Y'all, I prayed before I did this. And I said, God, give me the words. Let it heal who it needs to heal. Let it touch who it needs to touch. And sometimes, often, like, when that happens, I'm also preaching to myself. So, yeah, I hope this, I hope this blessed y'all. Yeah. I hope it heals. I hope it touches. I hope it awakens awakens you to your ability and access because we all have the access we all have access to change right we all have access to awakening i hope it awakens you to you yeah um so next week we are gonna dive deeper i really enjoyed this book like i can probably read it again a lot quicker now um yeah i'm excited i got some workshops coming up that i'm working on yeah just i'm doing some stuff out here so yeah i love you all for free until next time take care